Hey, welcome to the Maturing in Manhood podcast. This is Dan. This is Jonathan. And we're going to do this episode, episode three, John, for the same reason that we've done the first two, and that is because being a man is a challenge. It is a challenge. That's, that's why we have started a podcast called Maturing in Manhood, where we are trying to put our voices in and offer wisdom for modern dudes and dads mm-hmm. and disciples. And can I also add that it's true that being a man is a challenge, but we're not saying that being a woman isn't a challenge. We're just oh. saying that it's uniquely challenging, just like being a woman is uniquely challenging. Sure, and we're going to hit the unique challenges for us and we, Pastor John, Pastor Jonathan, Pastor Dan, are offering familiar and trusted wisdom to people we know who are trying to live the modern life um, uh, and face some of the challenges that modern dads and um, disciples and dudes are facing. Mm-hmm. So, And we do believe that while there are many credible, insightful, worthwhile voices to listen to, uh, more trusted voices are needed to build brotherhood among our own local church family anyway. So uh, here we go. Today we're talking about uh, one of the aspects of Paul, the apostle, describing what it takes to be a man, right? And mm-hmm. Paul gives six virtues that we have highlighted, that we highlighted last time, um, and we're on to the next virtue. And really it comes out of... First Timothy chapter six, and Paul says that men of God should pursue some things, mm-hmm. but you, Timothy, are a man of God. So, right? So he's. Let me put it in our terms. Timothy, you are a dude and a possibly a tad, <laughs> definitely a disciple. So run from all these evil things. Pursue righteousness, a godly life, along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. So today in episode three, we are talking about godliness, and I recognize that there probably aren't a lot of men listening to this who are thinking to themselves, I am so relieved that they're doing a podcast on godliness because I have been so challenged trying to think of what are the ways that I can be Mm -hmm. godly. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we're going to get to that, why it's important to pursue godliness, but There's kind of a distinction that we have to make between godliness and our last episode, righteousness. Yeah, that is a great point. And I think it's probably likely that um, our gentle listeners might be wondering, what is the difference between godliness and righteousness? So let's talk about those very quickly. Um, Last time, just as a quick recap, we talked about righteousness as being rightness or right standing or uprightness. Um, some might say kind of a high moral standing. And here's what's unique about that. Righteousness can't be gained through our efforts. Okay, so our righteousness, even on our best days, the days that we think, boy, we really nailed it today, that actually, uh, the Bible says, amounts to nothing if not some dirt. Paul uses the phrase a heaping pile. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, in some cases, he kind of it's defined as rags and there's some there's some um pretty intense meaning behind that phrase in that culture yeah or um uh ra- and then the other one is uh dung oh boy a dung heap so there's different definitely i won't make you describe that one no no so moving on um jesus's rightness and his high moral standing okay is what's applied to us okay and that and we talked about this a little bit 
that makes Christianity very unique, very distinct from the world's religions, because the world religion says you have to go out and earn it. There's a list of rules and regulations, things that you have to do in order to be considered righteous. And maybe you'll get there someday. And also, maybe you won't. Yeah. You don't really but know. you're but you're um you're ascending. That's right. Yeah. And the last point I want to make about righteousness is this, and I think this is an important distinction between righteousness and godliness. We don't actually grow in righteousness. Which is very interesting. As as Yoda might say, do or do not. There is no try. Did you write you're that? From, you're did you with did Yoda? you come up with that? No, I didn't. I I just said Yoda said that. Oh. So here, you know, in this context, it's kind of like you are or you are not. There is no try, right? Our righteousness does not come from us. It is applied to us through the rightness or the high standing of Jesus. Right. So, so when we're talking about men pursuing righteousness, we have to make a distinction that that's, that's pursuing Christ, right, by faith. Yes. Which, by the way, if, if you're lost here, pop over to the righteousness episode number two. Yes. And then here we're going to talk about godliness and godliness is different because it's not a right standing. It's not a position of uprightness or high moral standing in the view of God. Instead, it's our reverent awareness of God's sovereignty over every aspect of life. So it's an alertness and awareness uh, that I have that makes me or uh, makes me godly or ungodly. Another way to put it is there's an inner determination that the spirit gives to honor God in all of my conduct. Mm -hmm. So you put those two together. I'm aware of God's sovereignty over every aspect of life. And then correspondingly, I'm also have this determination to do things God's way, to see things his way, see things his way and to do things his, his way. And godliness is something that can grow. And it's something that I can mature in Mm -hmm. over time. Right, so here's Paul. He's talking to dudes, and he says, "You, uh, you Timothy, are a young man of God. Pursue godliness." So, in our maturing in manhood podcast, what we're aiming to do is to help bring some inspiration and wisdom on why is it important. What would be the reason that I should or want to or desire to pursue godliness? Um, and our hope is this: this provides you wisdom as a may possibly a dad uh, or a disciple maker, and then you can pass that on to whoever uh, the, the young ones are um, uh, around you. So one, one main question I think that we have to answer pretty quick is how does godliness grow, right? If it's possible to grow and mature in godliness, how does that happen? There's two main ways that we're going to point out here, and one is the knowledge of God. Mm-hmm. So you grow in godliness by actually knowing God. Mm-hmm. And secondly... You grow in godliness by knowing Jesus. Peter reveals that God's divine power has given us everything we need for life, but also for godliness through our knowledge of him. So as a dad, if you're discipling, um, really what you're doing is you're pointing out and observing anything and everything that you've come to know about God. So if you're trying to help your son or your brother or you're, you're discipling somebody, uh, maybe you have so, a friend who's a non-Christian and you're trying to talk through what is godliness, right? Here's what it is. It is it is 
what God has revealed to us about himself. Mm -hmm. So if you're discipling somebody in one way, shape, or form, and this is kind of my approach with my own kids. John growing up was, I did th I did all the preaching on Sundays that they were listening to. I didn't want to do all the preaching during the at home. That's wise. Right? So I didn't want it to be like, oh, dad's constantly preaching. So instead of... let Raquel do it, is what you did. And she needed no help. No. She can preach. Mm -hmm. I have a similar wife. Yeah, yes, I'm familiar. So as a dad, my approach was, and, and, and really my wife did this too brilliantly, and that is to point out and observe anything and everything that I've come to know about God for myself. Mm -hmm. So rather than saying to my kids, you need to know about God, you need to have an increasing knowledge about God, that's what godliness is. Mm -hmm. Or I wish you know, that you spent time, no, instead I would just, any moment that I could, yeah. As I was kind of pondering or observing or noticing or knowing God in some way, mm -hmm. I'm trying to I'm trying to just say it out loud to the kids. Mm -hmm. Let's say in the car we got the sunroof open and you look up and you're like, man, look yeah. at those. Look at space right mm -hmm. now. In the few days that you could see stars in the central New York area, it would be like, look at those stars. And then that would be a way in which I'm trying to help my kids know God by recognizing that he is sovereignly, authoritatively, supremely created all those things. Yeah. I love that, especially since um, it's it's very limiting, I think, to, to, to think or to teach that you can only really learn about God in a church building. Oh, sure. Right? Yep. That's so confining. I mean, he sees so much more than that, and we can experience him really in the everyday stuff of life, whether we're, like you're saying, outside, you know, experiencing creation, which, you know, sings his glory. Yeah. Um, but uh, in the in the same respect, when we're at home and we're, you know, cooking with, you know, ingredients that he made, I mean, why not point that out? Exactly. Right? Um, yeah. So, and it's so natural and normal to do that. I remember how often I would feel like God is literally with us on vacation while that fire is crackling in the campfire and just think, like, literally, kids, imagine this. I cannot even... Um, barely take in the fact that God has an invented fire. Yeah, that the spark leads to ignition, which leads to heat, which eventually swells and then provides warmth and light in your life. So, so in other words, it's almost like I'm 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 expressing my wonder at the knowledge of God with the idea that it's inspiring the kids or helping them to absorb that same knowledge yes, without it just being like downloading information to them, mm -hmm. right? Because I think a lot of people, I'm sure a lot of the dudes listening to this podcast are, yeah. are listening thinking, this is going to be helpful because I don't know what to say. Yeah. I don't know what to download. I don't know, I don't know enough. To like I'm not a pastor. I don't know how to download, mm -hmm. you know, just yeah. God information to my kids. Yeah. Another way maybe to even think about it is this is how I've come to enjoy God. Exactly. So right. it's your story almost. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Well, the second the second way that we grow in godliness is knowing Jesus. And uh, in, in fact, God imparts knowledge of himself. How does he do that? By revealing the glory of his son. And he does that by the Holy Spirit. So here, here basically, if you see Jesus clearly, you're seeing God clearly. Mm -hmm. If you want to see God clearly, you have to see Jesus clearly, mm -hmm. and that, and, and I mean, Paul writes that to the church at Corinth, and he says, um, and he says, Satan, who is the god of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. 
they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news they don't understand this message about the glory of Christ who is the exact likeness of God so to grow in godliness is to grow in your knowledge of God and you grow in your knowledge of God by knowing Jesus being familiar with Jesus recognizing Jesus recognizing his voice and really seeing him and savoring him and that's and that's how it works now, didn't, he, didn't he say if you've seen me you've seen the father sure right exactly yeah so here's the here's the catch the catch is that there is an enemy his name uh, named in the scriptures as Satan and he's blinding the eyes from seeing and savoring Jesus above anyone or anything mm. so really when someone doesn't see it there is an accomplice to creating that distraction or blinding those eyes yeah. um, and it reminds me of this time a parent tells me that their son is sympathetic they, the parents kind of like confiding in me hey I got this son uh, who is very sympathetic and accepting of all of this these people in his school who are talking about how they're coming out and their 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 own homosexuality defines their identity and he's he's super um sympathetic and open to accepting and affirming their host their homosexuality right mm -hmm. so that's a different topic but as the story went they immediately connected that uh sympathy to our church failing to teach how wrong and immoral homosexuality is and they actually use the phrase um, how we used uh, how we used to teach it mm. so in their mind as a parent the reason their child was open to this was because the church wasn't going hard against homosexuality yeah. anymore like they yeah. used to yeah. okay yeah, yeah. so that uh, conversation led to me asking does your kid who's an adult by the way does a, a young adult does your kid know how god views it hmm. um and they said the, the parents said yes of, of course they do we've told him so many times and then i say so he knows how god views it and how god reveals how he views it in the bible and um they said yes and i said so why isn't he submitting to that hmm. and they said he doesn't agree with the bible Mm -hmm. right so and I'm like well this sounds like a rebellious heart you know the rebellion to not submit to the authority of the Bible because they don't agree with it not a teaching the Bible issue sure. and then really what's happening is their eyes are blinded mm -hmm. and their eyes are blinded in a way that he doesn't agree with God yeah. and the reason he doesn't agree with God is because he's ungodly meaning he's unaware of God's sovereign yeah. design for yeah. everything mm -hmm. and his eyes have been blinded so on the one hand he could hear some church teaching but he already knows what the church teaching is he could he could he could um, discover in the Bible what God says mm -hmm. but he already knows what God says he hears right. his mom reminding him all the time what God says but he doesn't agree with it right, and right. the reason is because there's a blindedness where he's not submitted to uh, mm -hmm. in any way submitted to this knowledge of God or this awareness and alertness that God is sovereign over all things so it's like his authority. almost two totally different starting points exactly you're, you're, you can't be on the same page right because you're you're teaching the Bible as you know and understand it and as a starting point I, d I don't agree with that exactly you know exactly so to just give you more of what you don't agree with Right. You know, but right. you don't agree with it. Here's my main point. You don't agree with it because Satan has blinded your eyes to see and savor who Jesus is or to see and savor this this beautiful design that God has for um, this topic. So uh, so how would you think about this person that she was referring to? And, and, and I think it's a 
good question here at this stage to say how do I grow into a godly man if this if this is a desire of a young man to grow in godliness how does that happen I know one thing it does not happen passively yeah right nobody nobody flows downstream into godliness Mm -hmm. Um, in fact you're no more likely that you become a soldier just because you want to be a soldier Mm -hmm. you don't wake up one day having desire to be a soldier and you're like oh look at this Mm -hmm. this is really really exciting today I'm a soldier Mm -hmm. instead you train yourself to be godly and the reason you do that is because it doesn't happen naturally it happens unnaturally after your heart is regenerated sure. and, and, uh, Paul, and that's and that's just because of our sin nature of course right yeah we've got this um, sort of ungodly thing <laughs> that's happening in our hearts constantly and uh, it just doesn't line up essentially line. essentially we're bent on living for ourselves right to see ourselves and to Kind of, I think the words in our modern culture would be to center ourselves, mm-hmm. right, or mm-hmm. to live for our own glory. And again, Paul writes this. He says to Timothy, do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, instead of that, all the nonsense in the community, in the culture, in the world or whatever, instead, train yourself to be godly. Mm-hmm. And then he goes on to say physical training is good, yeah. but training for godliness is so much better, promising benefits in this life, but also, unlike training yourself physically, in the life to come. Yeah. So um, that's the answer to the question, how do I grow into a godly man? There is training involved. Yeah. There's um, very specific things that can be done which um, right. we can answer answer the question mm-hmm. is godliness just something that you're wanting wishing and that the people who are godly just kind of acquire one day yeah. or is there a way that I can practically work mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. the training and godliness yeah. yeah so you know what even is it what what are the attributes of it and and can they really apply can I really apply those um, to my life can I really be like God in some ways, right? And 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 it, I think it's important to point out that in some ways the answer to that question is no, right? We can't be like God in a variety of, of ways. Why? Because He's unchanging, right? We change all the time. He's all powerful. He's all knowing. He's all present. Like we don't have those attributes. But then um, conversely, in, in a lot of ways, we can be like Him when you think about His great love and His mercy and His justice and um, his great patience with us. Those are attributes, godly attributes that are worth pursuing and, and worth working towards, uh, like, we, like, we've, we've, uh, like we've mentioned. So I, th- I think the question is then, how in the world do we do that? Yeah, and I'm assuming you're gonna help um, get more practical than, hey, get your, do not neglect gathering together you know, with you and your family or your close loved ones and friends. In a church gathering, right? Yeah, because that's a great as, starting point. As, it is a great starting point, and it can't mm-hmm. be neglected. Mm-hmm. But as we say in our church family, there is another depth, another step where you grow on your own. Yes. You're nourishing, yeah. not as an individual, but but you're taking responsibility for your own nourishment. Yeah, and we're going to call those, uh, at least for today's purposes, spiritual disciplines. Ooh, that actually does sound very training like. Yeah, it does. Boot campy. Military. Boot campy. The spiritual discipline. So what, what are some examples of that? Well, it's it's reading, right? It's reading scripture. 
it's reading great authors that help us to see who God is and, and point out the beauty and the glory of Jesus, right? Meditating on what we've read. I think so many times we're so much more concerned with how much we've read mm -hmm. than actually um, processing it For and sure. spending the time really thinking about it. That's an interesting human behavior. It's it more is. about like just completing the task right. than it is actually learning the yep. task. Uh, but things like prayer and, and worship, those, those things are what we'll call pathways to practical godliness, stuff that's useful um, to really learn uh, uh, who he is and to transform us into um, what he's like. Well, you've been doing these things for a long time. For someone who is just getting started, perhaps, or maybe they've even been doing them for a long time and they've mm -hmm. kind of dried up and dried out, come yeah. to a stall or a stop, or maybe even they sense, as I, as I kind of illustrated before, they're kind of flowing downstream. It's not... It's not really, um, there's no spark there. What, yeah. How would you recommend, what's worked for you? Yeah. Well, let me talk about some guidelines for the spiritual disciplines that I think are very helpful. And the first one is uh, th th these disciplines are not a means to an end. Or they're, they're a means to an end. They're not the end itself. Oh, uh, okay. I hope, I hope that makes sense. Yeah. They are a means to an end, but they're not the end itself. And a, an example of that would be, um, you know, making the, the mistake that the disciplines themselves are godliness. In other words, uh, if we read, if we meditate, if we pray, if we're faithful to do those things, then, then we become godly. And in a, you know, example of that not that's, working. That's what makes you godly. There, that's what makes you godly. Right. right. And an example of that not working really at all, you know, you think about the religious leaders in Jesus's day who, you know, certainly considered themselves very godly. Who, who was more godly than them, right? They did all the things. Um, but Jesus, of course, says, you guys are like the furthest thing. Whitewashed from, tombs. From, from, from godly, right? Brood calls, vipers. Yeah, he calls them snakes. Um, so, okay. Um, so just doing them isn't what makes you godly. Exactly. But we're going to consider those disciplines a pathway sure. to godliness. Gotcha. And then I want to point out, too, that um, any practice that can be quantified okay so let's say it can be timed or counted or measured in some way those things for some strange reason the way that we humans think are always subject to being equated with godliness i, d I don't know why it is the way that it, that, that it is there but if it's if it's quantified then we can kind of easily compare it to the next person over okay. right and say because i have you know i know i've read more i know i've prayed more yeah i know i've considered god's word more i must be more godly because i can count it yeah that's a real danger right that's a real danger um be just just that sense of comparison that so easily um so pops up there and then um the last thing i want to i want to say about that is cultivating practical godliness through these disciplines is a lot more, and we've kind of already alluded to this, but it's a lot more fight than it is flow. Yeah, the swim upstream. Exactly. These things, like you mentioned already, they, they just do not come naturally, and, and our fallen sort of flesh really fights against what the Spirit of God is, is doing and trying to show us. Yeah. So. Yeah, and you can see that in Paul's language when he talks about being a soldier mm -hmm. and training, right? There's, Absolutely. There's a... Um, he talks about beating, um, buffeting his own body, right? Mm -hmm. So 
again there is a there as always john the the things that are the easiest make us the softest right yeah. as, as always the hardest things end up being the best things the most rewarding things and this it's no different in your pursuit or in your training towards godliness mm-hmm. um now I, this is difficult for i think this is probably difficult for the average dude who even has a desire to mature in manhood to really care about this, you know? Um, but there is, I think there are compelling reasons to care about this. There's compelling reasons to desire godliness or to pursue godliness, as Paul says to Timothy mm-hmm. uh, or Titus. And here it is. Number one, knowing God is supremely valuable and, and satisfying. Mm. To the degree in which you know who God is, there is a level of satisfaction that grows in your life in your inner life and in your i mean what what is i love that phrase that that paul uses godliness with contentment is great wealth Mm -hmm. right um and then secondly you won't waste your life pursuing material success and we learn that that's important um and there's another way to put that actually which is living for eternity um is why we should care about this because everything else you live for will be destroyed peter says since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this what holy and godly lives you should live so one reason why we should care about this is because eventually the things that are around us that we could care about and we could pursue and we could spend our lives gaining and acquiring Mm -hmm. will be destroyed Mm -hmm. so the material is going to be destroyed and this alertness awareness of who god is will have ultimate and eternal payoff Mm -hmm. for us and will be lasting really right so having that future hope teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions to live self-controlled it helps us live upright godly lives in this present uh, age that we're in while we wait for the blessed hope which is the reappearing of our great rescuer Mm -hmm. so in the meantime knowing that rescuer being satisfied by that rescuer being alert and and aware and growing in our knowledge of god while we wait his return and we don't spend our lives really on material stuff that's destroyed according to to peter um so the third reason why men should care about pursuing this is this it allows you to get wealthy while you're young, even if you never get rich. And I just brought this verse up where, where Timothy is one of my favorites. It's actually helped my, my life so deeply to actually believe this. Mm-hmm. Yet, he says to Timothy, this is chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. So that's my phrase. You can be, you can, you can be wealthy without ever getting rich, mm-hmm. right? After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content, and we'll feel wealthy. We don't have a craving, desire, an urge, an appetite Mm -hmm. for bigger, better, and more. Mm -hmm. So as a young man, or even as a middle-aged man, you can say, you know what? Godliness, I'm content with what I have. I'm Mm going to pursue a knowledge of God, and I'm going to grow in my godliness and feel like I'm, I'm the wealthiest man on the planet because that yeah. knowledge of God is satisfying to me. Yeah. And that's what we're passing on to our kids, right? We're saying, hey, you can find that God is gratifying and satisfying and you won't have to feel like you're going without. You have to keep up. You have the stress of success yeah. in the material world. Mm-hmm. Boy, I think that uh, that just diving into that word contentment could be a whole a whole podcast for sure uh, episode oh, on its oh, own, and oh. I think it would be valuable. Um, 
my goodness no that, doubt that, that's something that we men um could learn an awful lot about i mean it's almost like a a, a medicine to the soul mm-hmm. to grow in contentment yeah yeah so at the end of our podcast episodes we've been diving into this question jonathan what are you making mm-hmm. recently and now's the time what have you been making recently mm. well um we 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 talked about in the last episode that i've been making pizza that's, yes, that's yes going, we did. That's going well. <laughs> um, again, I'm still learning, and and uh, I'm pretty happy with the results. But I've I've got some projects around the house that I'm doing, and you know how um, when you have to do something like put a new roof on, it costs like a lot, but there's not a lot to show for it. We're doing that next month. Oh, that's the worst. Yeah. What's worse than that? So I'm not putting a roof on, but I am putting siding on my garage. So I'm kind of. You I'm changing it? No, Are yeah, you changing I, it? It's it's bad. It's you know it's kind of rotted. And so you're put you're replacing it. You're not replacing it. We're okay. replacing it. I'm taking right. the siding off, and uh, I've got the guys from Legacy coming over, and we're gonna put up new siding. Then I'll you know caulk it in, paint it really good, and and hopefully it'll last for um, an eternity. So we'll I, never have to do that again, John. I'm excited you, about did that. Did you listen to one thing that we just said? <laughs> Did Are you? you saying I should be content with my rotted I'm, siding? All, all I'm saying is that that is not that? going to last for eternity. It's going to be destroyed, oh, dummy. No. <laughs> dummy. Well, that does it. John is restoring his garage siding, and um, love love to hear Exciting stuff, what, isn't it? what he's making recently. Thanks for listening to Maturing in Manhood, and uh, we'll, we'll, um, we'll catch you next time.